This is the St Ninian Sermons Podcast. My name's Stuart Cutler and I'm the Minister of St Ninian's in Stonehouse in Scotland. Thanks for listening. This week we had a very special guest join us at St Ninian's, the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland, the Right Reverend Susan Brown. So we focused on Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 and chapter 3 verses 1 to 7 and then Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 to 11. So let's hear this week's passages read by Gillian and then hear Susan's sermon. Our first reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 2, reading verses 15 to 17. Then the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and guard it. He told him, you may eat the fruit of any tree in the garden, except the tree that gives knowledge of what is good and what is bad. You must not eat the tree, the fruit of that tree. If you do, you will die the same day. Our second reading is Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Now the snake was the most cunning animal that the Lord God had made. The snake asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat fruit from any tree in the garden? We may eat the fruit of any tree in the garden, the woman answered, except the tree in the middle of it. God told us not to eat the fruit of that tree or even touch it. If we do, we will die. The snake replied, That's not true. You will not die. God said that because he knows that when you eat it, you will be like God and know what is good and what is bad. The woman saw how beautiful the tree was and how good its fruit would be to eat. And she thought how wonderful it would be to become wise. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband and he also ate it. As soon as they had eaten it, they were given understanding and realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. Our next reading is Matthew chapter 4, reading from verses 1 to 11. Then the Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After spending 40 days and nights without food, Jesus was hungry. Then the devil came to him and said, If you are God's son, order these stones to turn into bread. But Jesus answered, The scripture says, Human beings cannot live on bread alone, but need every word that God speaks. Then the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem, the holy city, set him on the highest point of the temple, and said to him, If you are God's son, throw yourself down, for the the scripture says, God will give orders to his angels about you. They will hold you up with their hands, so so that not even your feet will be hurt on the stones. Jesus answered, but the scripture also says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their greatness. All this I will give you, the devil said, if you kneel down and worship me. Then Jesus answered, go away, Satan. The scripture says, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left Jesus, and angels came and helped him. May God bless this reading from his holy word. 
I'd like to invite Susan to come and speak to us. He's made me come up here just so you can see me. <laughs> can I say, first of all, thank you very much indeed for inviting me along this morning. I don't know if you invited me or not, or if you were told to have me. <laughs> but, but I'm here, so, and I'm very grateful to be here. Um, and, yeah, let's just get on with it. Well, we, Stuart said an hour is usually what you're used to hearing. <laughs> is that right? That's a relief. It'll not be an hour, don't worry. But in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Guess what this morning's sermon's about? Because you've heard basically the sermon in the first prayer, and then you watched it on the screen in cartoon style. So now it's coming at you from a third angle. The story of the temptation of Jesus. And it's the traditional way to begin the season of Lent, which as Max already told us, matches the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. So the story begins with Jesus still wet from his baptism, feeling the call and the need to head off into the desert to be alone with God, staying there, as I say, a whole 40 days and 40 nights, fasting and praying. And it's only as that long stint of solitude draws to an end that the tests we've been hearing about already this morning come just when Jesus is about to turn to face the world again, just when he thinks he's got things sussed after his time of silence, just when he's at his very hungriest. And just as when you've been waiting ages for a bus and several come along at once, in the end, Jesus finds himself being faced with not just one, but three tests. The first temptation comes in the form of a gentle encouragement to turn stones into bread. The second invites Jesus to defy the laws of nature and to throw himself off a high building. And the last, the last tempts him not to wait, but to seize power and take control now. Now, Jesus, as you might expect from the Son of God, Jesus chooses well. Does that mean, though, that this was all simply a wee exercise for him and not taxing at all? No, it was most definitely not just a wee exercise. This was about Jesus' resolve being tested. It was about his priorities being questioned. And it was about discovering what kind of a saviour he was going to be. But that's jumping the gun. Let's start at the very beginning. Because it's a very good place to start. I've just given away my age. <laughs> Jesus had realised that the time had come to make his move. The time had come to step up to the mark. He knew who he was. And he knew too what God was calling him to do. Although, perhaps not every last detail of what that calling might lead to. But this was the moment he had been preparing for since before his birth. But he needed to get it right. Hence, all those days alone with God. That time was about setting the foundations for his work. Jesus recognized the need to be properly tuned in to what God was asking of him. And he needed to make sure, wanted to make sure, that what he was doing, he was doing not off his own bat, but 
but because it was what his heavenly father wanted him to do. As I say, he almost got right the way through his long stint in the desert without any great drama. But at the very end, when, as I say, he was at his hungriest, when he was feeling the weight of having spent so much time on his own, but also at the point at which he was beginning to think he was ready and had a handle on things, it was then that a thought suddenly played on Jesus' mind. If I am God's son, he thought, then I could turn these stones into bread. And fed and nourished, I'd be able to get on with all the work that God wants me to do more quickly. It wouldn't do any harm, would it? Nobody would know. And no sooner had that thought entered his head and been toyed with before being dismissed than another took its place. As God's son, Surely it's possible for me to do anything, anything at all. I could even defy the laws of nature. Others throwing themselves off a tower might plummet to the ground. But I, if I am God's son, surely God would have an army of angels I could call on to come to my rescue at any time, whatever the circumstances. But then... That thought, too, is shaken from Jesus' head. Wasn't that putting God himself to the test? Wasn't it playing with the trust his father had put in him? Wasn't it looking for a get-out clause to save him having to face any suffering? Oh, it's all right, my dad will save me. But even as these thoughts came and went, out came the biggie. Why did things need to be done the hard way? Why should Jesus not simply seize power, take control, and put an end that way to all the wrongs there are in this world? He could stop the suffering in the world. He could put an end to the injustice, get rid of all the evil. He could do all of that and so much more if he simply took power into his own hands right now. Each one of these options would have been attractive to Jesus. These were all truly testing thoughts for him, very real propositions. But in the end, after struggling with each one, Jesus decides. He decides he has not come to feed himself, to feed his own needs. He decides he's not come to play at being human. And he decides, too, that neither has he come to play at being God. Instead, Jesus chooses to trust that his father really does know what his father knows. His mind made up, the right choices made. Is it all good and rosy for Jesus from here on in, then? Well, from here, Jesus embarks on a journey that we all know is going to be far from easy. He's going to be led where he has never dreamt of going. And he's going to have experiences that he would never, ever have chosen for himself. The testing is over, but only for now. 
I can remember at some point in the dim and distant past preaching on this passage and saying that what's tempting for Jesus is not really tempting for any of us. I mean, we actually know that we couldn't turn stones into bread or rely on angels to save us. And ruling the world is never really going to be an option for too many of us. So to us, such temptations simply wouldn't be tempting, would they? Or am I bursting your hopes of world domination? But then it suddenly struck me that the very things Jesus resists in the desert are the very things that we as human beings have never been able to resist. Not since the world began. Go back to the biblical account of creation and there you find a story that tries to explain not the scientific beginnings of the world, but the relationship between God and his creation since day one. That relationship is embodied in the tale of a man and a woman who face exactly the same test that Jesus faced, but with very different results. In the beginning, so the story goes, God created the most wonderful world. Human beings lay at the center of it, and God gave them everything. He asked only that they did not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But other than that, God trusted his people to choose their own path. In fact, including that. But then what happened? Well, things went along fine to begin with. And then God's people began to toy with thoughts of what they thought they needed. Not stone from bread, but a particular fruit from a particular tree. That led to their questioning if God really was on their side. They didn't want to test him by throwing themselves off a tower to see if he would save them, but they did wonder if he really did have their best interests at heart. After all, what was it that God didn't want them to know? Then that seed of doubt grew until they reckoned God was being unfair. They could handle the knowledge that he didn't want them to have. So they decided they would just seize the power and eat the fruit. Since the dawn of creation, it seems, we human beings have always wanted more for us. And we have nurtured within us a desire to aspire to be what we can never be. And like Adam biting into the fruit, our appetite for what we think we need for us is insatiable. Jesus, however, resisted those temptations. And in that resistance, he showed that his aspiration was not to please himself or to further his own hopes and desires. It was to do what God wanted. And he showed, too, that his appetite was for those he was called to love into life. Those who could never hope to do anything to deserve that love, he was choosing to love and for that, we have to be eternally grateful. But we need to show that gratitude. And this is what Lent is about. We need to show that gratitude by regularly stopping and thinking about what we're about as individuals, as a congregation, as a church. We show that gratitude when 
on all those different levels, we resist the temptation to look out only for us and who's like us. We show that gratitude when we refuse to give in to the temptation to lord it over other people. We show that gratitude when we actually remember to put God first. This story of the temptation of Jesus reminds us of where our priorities should lie. It reminds us of how we are called to trust in God as God and of how we should aspire to love God before everything else. So this Lent, I've got a wee challenge for you. How about you don't just give up chocolate? How about you make room for God to rearrange your heart and your mind? Are you up for it? Amen. Thanks for listening. As always, if you have any comments, questions or thoughts about this week's sermon, then please do get in touch. You can find us on anchor.fm where you can leave us a voice message and you can also find us on Facebook at St Ninian's Church Stonehouse and on Twitter at St Ninian's Stonehouse where you can find out about all the other great things that happen in our church and community. If you're in the neighbourhood and want to join us in person, we meet for worship every Sunday at 11am. We'd love to see you.